Hey out there, everybody, and welcome to Caffeination 529. Thinking is dangerous now, isn't it, Steve? All right, we are here at Caffeination number 529. This is the 529th episode in a long line of uh, fun little uh, uh, vignettes into the world of geek and coffee. That is, we are the high-octane world of caffeine culture and technology news where all of the stuff that gets you going and gets you geeking is all in one uh, fun little place. I am Paul. This is Steve. And we are both here to try and give you the absolute best content that we can know where to find. Uh, we are lovingly nestled over at www.caffination.com. That is the Caffeination Podcast. We are a proud member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. All of the member shows have agreed to create child-safe, family-friendly, and educational stuff, and everybody is listed over at techpodcasts.com. This show is sponsored in part by Puzzle Piece Productions. Web and graphic design that falls right into place. That's what we specialize in logos, graphic design, brand identity for smaller uh, businesses, personal blogs, that kind of thing. That's where we uh, find the sweet spot in the market. If you're interested, head on over to PuzzlePiecePro.com. All right, we have a uh, wonderful little lineup for today's episode. Sorry for missing last week. Uh, We had a t-ball incident. That is, uh, my son had his first ever t-ball game. Um, The coach, I still don't know if he knows that there was a game that day. It was was pretty rough. Two games so far, and the man still really hasn't. No, it's been a little little rough going, but you know, it's it's all good. The kids seem to be having fun. The parents seem to be on the field, which we really don't get. In fact, there was one incident where a kid hit the ball, and his mom picked him up and ran him to first base. It has really been like a Benny Hill. Yeah, I, I remember that. I thought that was a little loud myself. <laughs> I don't remember my mom picking me up during baseball and running me to first base. (laughs) (laughs) Come on now, Stevie, scurry along. That's right. (laughs) All right, so all that fun happened last week, and we accidentally left you with the unbelievably, horribly uh, audio-edited version that we had last time. A thousand pardons. We had a feedback loop. I had an extra set of speakers plugged in in the background, and... uh, Apparently everything sounded like we were robots, but not in the fun way. <laughs> so I know I, I added in a little uh, addendum at the end there to, to apologize for it, but uh, at that point Steve was already off to work, and I wasn't about to try and do my Steve imitation the whole episode. Because, <laughs> I'm sorry, you just can't imitate that kind of gold. No, you really can't. It, it, it's a one-shot kind of deal around here, folks. <laughs> All right, if you have any comments, feedback, suggestion, hate mail, please feel free to fire it off to caffeination at gmail.com. You can also email me at paul at caffeination.com. Or you can reach me at stevecaffeination.com. We have a lot of fun stuff, like I said. But what'd you do, Geeky, this week, good sir? Uh, more Gears of War. <laughs> more Gears of War. So- more, yeah, I'm up to, uh, as of today at 2.30, I was uh, level 60. So do they give you the stats on the amount of time in your life that you have sunk down that drain? They probably do. Yeah, because I remember when we started playing uh, Black Ops, the first one, uh, we, we used to look online, it's like whenever somebody was significantly higher than <laughs> you, are like, wow, man, you wasted eight days of your life. I got a family. I got a real job. How's high school treating you? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'd like to see exactly how far down the rabbit hole you've gone this, at this point. Yeah, it's it's. I, I put it's some time it's, into it's it. up there. Yeah, it's up there. <laughs> I, however, have been sinking my time <laughs> dead into Mass Effect Three. I'm currently fourteen and a half hours in. Here's the fun thing about that: you can play the single player campaign. You can do all you got to do in there. But if you play the multiplayer campaign, it actually adds stats to your single player campaign. Really? So the entire universe is listed at fifty percent readiness for the event that happens. For every completed round of ten. 
uh, rounds. It's kind of like Horde mode in uh, Gears of War. Uh, Gears of War. It's kind of like that. You know, the continual enemies attacking a, a stationary place with tiny little obstacles. Uh, so if you beat ten rounds, or actually eleven in this, because the eleventh round you have to actually get to the chopper, right. so to speak. But um, you actually, you know, if you clear ten, you get five percent more readiness. So, and every day that you play the game after that, without playing multiplayer, it takes a percentage away. Wow. So I was up to sixty percent because I played two, you know, twenty-two rounds of it. I was like, okay, you know, this is pretty fun. Let me go back to the single player. And then every day I log in, it's like you're down to fifty-eight, fifty-seven. It's like, oh man, the galaxy's really suffering here. <laughs> So I, I don't know how uh, I don't know how I like that at this point because I like being able to just unplug the machine, you know, lie to all my friends and say that I'm not online and play a single player campaign. Right. So I don't know how it's going to affect it. I might save it beforehand, try and beat the game, and then uh, see if I can do it with like the fifty percent readiness, and then come back after I've played a bunch of multiplayer and refresh that save and see if I can do the same thing. Oh wow. Yeah. Well, just see, you know, just, you know, my free time, right? Worth a shot. All right. So, uh, all right, we have a lot of fun stuff. We're going to dive right in into the Geek Cruft section here at the Caffeination Podcast. The first thing that we got up for you here is actually, uh, I had two links that we weren't talking about. A uh, paralyzed woman has finished the London Marathon wearing bionic legs. No, this is not science fiction. They did not make her stronger. They just made her more awesome. This uh, Claire Lomas uh, took 16 days to run the London Marathon. But that's pretty much uh, unbelievable when you actually think she's paralyzed from the waist down. She has absolutely no feeling, no motor capabilities whatsoever. This exoskeleton that she was actually wearing allowed her to do this. It's called the rewalk. Now here's the, here's the kind of kick in the kick in the uh, the pants from this because she didn't complete it within one day. The organizers were not willing to give the paralyzed woman who ran the race the medal for having completed the race. Wow. So so because she didn't complete it in one day, they said you didn't actually complete it. So what they did was the they uh, pub, people publicized the sto- publicized the story and said how ridiculous this was and they couldn't believe it. Uh, other people who actually completed the marathon started sending her their medals. Wow! And, I mean, that's that's something that you get because you know that that's a huge accomplishment. Yeah. Twenty six point two miles. I mean that that's that's a huge chunk of your life right there. Especially for somebody who doesn't uh, feel any feelings down there. Yeah, I mean that that's you know, that that's insane. So the organizers basically probably because of PR pressure turned around and said, no, 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 we're actually going to give you a special trophy for it. Uh, they, and uh, she apparently has already raised $130,000 for spinal research. This is just really awesome. It's kind of like one of those uh, feel-good, fuzzy, fuzzy, uh, warm, fuzzy stories that uh, they have for technology. So I wanted to share that with the group. Moving right along, we got another little warm, fuzzy. Yeah, I was just thinking the same thing. Talk about warm and fuzzy feeling. Uh, a gentleman by the name of... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. A uh, woman by the name of Patricia Rennick, who, uh, who is an artist, uh, came up... Uh, with a neat design to turn a Volkswagen into a, what did she call it? A Stegabeetle. There you go, Stegabeetle. It's the majestic Stegabeetle. That's right. And uh, it's out of the style of the 1970s uh, Beetle, which... Uh, I don't know. You know what? I, I, I think I mentioned it in there. I don't know if it's a 1970s Beetle because it doesn't have that goofy little moonroof behind the rear window. True. And it also doesn't have the split-off wing window in either side, so it might just be a reimagining of the concept, or it could be a 1980s Beetle. I don't know. I have no clue. I'm looking at it, and my dad had a <laughs> uh, my dad had a Beetle. It didn't have the moonroof, and he had a 69. 
There's also no uh, no uh, tail lights on there that I can see, so I couldn't tell you because of the color of the tail tail lights. They only had two colors of tail lights in the late '60s, and in the early '70s they switched to the tricolor tail lights. I'm done here. Are you sure? Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe it's the majestic Stega Beetle. Yeah, <laughs> it's a neat it's a neat design, and uh, you know what? It's actually <laughs> with with the Beetle being uh, where the engine was always in the back, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, with what uh, scientists are saying today of uh, why uh, why the Earth was so warm. Uh, because uh, the flatus, yeah, I, I I figured you know it's it's quite ironic. <laughs> <laughs> so the Stegosaurus also had kind of like the um, the mass of, of nerves, the second brain, if you <laughs> will, in the rear end. So his brain's in the rear end. The car's engine was in the back end. We're just going to call that a wash. <laughs> I, I think they were actually trying to go. They had this this whole very artistic view of why this was created. It was like the the. Uh, extinction level event that could possibly occur with a, a fossil fuel car something with old cars fossil fuels dinosaurs all that we're looking at is this is a pretty awesome looking thing and yeah. i would love to have it as like a car or a toy series or something like that something to walk around in yeah dino riders <laughs> this looks like the world's strongest man competition but instead of the world's strongest man it's like the world's most awesome metal dinosaur <laughs> So it's like it's it's like Colossus from the X Men becomes a dinosaur, <laughs> and then attempts to turn into a Volkswagen. So it's nothing like Colossus from no, the X Men. All right, down geek. All right, the next little thing that we got for you here is actually a pretty cool little video from SB Nation, but it's called The Evolution of M NFL Logos. There's a little coarse language in there, but if you're a fan of the NFL, you might actually really enjoy it. Uh, this gentleman, Matt Olford, actually goes through the NFL offices and talks with Jamie Weston, VP of the Brand Creative, about the evolution of some of the uh, the NFL logos, and then he tries to give his own take on it. So he does, like, instead of uh, you know, the Chicago Bears, it's just the plain little C. He has, like, a, a really irritated bear sticking through there with some guns coming out and says, uh, you know, the right to bear arms. Yeah, Chicago bear arms. Yeah, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he had he had some other ones. He actually you know, he he seems to notice that a lot of the different logos are a more irritated version of the creature than they have previously been. So yes, we understand the NFL is uh, is very aggressive. But uh, one of my favorite things he actually mentions was that the uh, the dolphin on the helmet of the Miami Dolphins is not wearing a dolphin's helmet, and nor is there a blowhole where he would normally have a blowhole. So you're basically <laughs> suffocating the dolphin in another team's helmet that's on your current helmet. So either they're really mean or they just didn't think that far ahead. Probably didn't think that far ahead. I like the fact that he had kind of like a recursion <laughs> dolphin on a dolphin on a dolphin on a dolphin in there. <laughs> or as they say, a dolphin on a dolphin... Uh, no, a dolphin on a helmet on 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 a... All the way down. Yeah, well, it just keeps Yeah, going. So, I mean, it, I, I, I personally would like to see that. I'd like to see that kind of effort. <laughs> and every once in a while, the camera, if it focused too too much on the one side of the head, it would just get sucked in there and it'd be like a vortex and you'd never get it back. No, probably not. No. I'm like staring at a picture of the dolphin on the... <laughs> Dolphins. <laughs> no, wait, is that Dolphception? Or yeah. Dolphinception? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Which is probably just keeps going and going oh, yeah. and going and going. <laughs> All right, next little story we got within the Geekcraft section. That's right, with uh, the Avengers uh, recently coming out. Uh, of course, you know, somebody's going to come out with uh, Legos of all sorts to uh, build them. And uh, this is what Ken, uh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to butcher his last name. Ken Robichaud. We're just uh, going to go with that. Yeah. Uh, he created... Uh, Robichaud? Yeah. 
<laughs> created uh, all the uh, items that uh, the Avengers carry with them. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, Thor's uh, Mjolnir. Good Cap job. Good yeah, job. That's right. Captain America's shield, Hawkeye's bow and arrows, and uh, what he what, uh, they refer to as uh, the Black Widow's thingamajigs. <laughs> yeah, well, we're we're assuming, as opposed to her other thingamajigs, we're assuming that is the uh, bracelets the, and the belt. The, yeah, so that's what we're just going to go with. Yeah, and we're going with that. The, the scary cosplayer that they actually have in the picture, we we think it might be a man. It looks like a bouncer. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, the in this version of the. Uh, of the of the Avengers, not only is Spider Man all up in it, but um, <laughs> Captain America looks a little bit upset, like a disgruntled accountant, and the the Black Widow's taller than anybody else. <laughs> Hulk smash! Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's a great design. It's great I, detail in a lot of the uh, a lot of the items. Yeah, I love uh, Mjolnir, and I also love the the uh, vibranium uh, shield for Captain America. Yeah. I would definitely, definitely get in on some of that. That's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right, moving along to the next thing. Again, from over at device.com. This is a real car-to-robot transformer in action. You actually have to check this video out. This is pretty unbelievable when it comes right down to it. They uh, take a... Um, actually take this thing out of the, uh, the, the, the case. It drives into the scene turns into the transformer all of that it's actually missing is the the uh, iconic sound that you would normally get when uh, the transformer transforms and then it you know, punches into the sky and then it starts walking off in, into the sunset <laughs> i mean yeah it, it has that kind of weird tiny little japanese uh, uh robot walk where it just kind of sh sh shambles wherever it has to go but uh it's still pretty cool especially when it, you know like waves it does the robot i assume and then you know it turns back into a car and then drives away which is just unbelievable i would buy this <laughs> i would buy this and never let my children play with it i'm so, not even going to lie it's just like a water away yeah it's like <laughs> <laughs> i'm going home <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna take my wheels and go home <laughs> all right that's pretty awesome but not nearly as awesome as the next little uh, set of images yeah and this is uh, one of our last uh Articles from uh, D-Voice this week. Uh, scientists over at uh, the University of California have uh, started a project called FACES, which is FACES Art and Computerized Evolution Systems. And uh, what they're doing right now is, uh, you know, they're testing out the system. They, they want to actually uh, study the structure of the Mona Lisa. And uh, actually, you know, I think that's a great idea. They're trying to see if uh, they they recently uncovered a uh, a skull who belonged to a woman named Lisa Del Giacondo. Is that, a, is that a, something? Something like something that. like that. A yeah. little something like that. A little that. something like that. And they're they're uh, thinking maybe this might be her, but they don't know. But. Uh, yeah, I, th I think it's a great idea. I, I, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I, I, I love uh, mysteries like this. This reminds me of a little bit of a a, a, nov a novel by Robert Cruz Smith where it's called uh, Red Square and there's another one called Gorky Park and everything. But there's a, a guy in there that got, really, uh, got re me really interested in forensic anthropology where it was his job to take a skull and from the the markings in the skull where the muscles grabbed onto it, he would recreate what... 
the person's face looked like. And I thought this was like science fiction when I read the book, only to find out that it's actually real. And like when I went to through like some of my paleontology classes and stuff, like they had examples like, you know, plasticine skulls put up and they actually had one where they knew what the person looked like, but they sent somebody the skull at the same point in time just to see how close it would get. And other than putting on the wrong fake color hair just as a guess, I mean, because they put hair and eyes on there, right. but they're all guesses, and uh, he put the wrong hair color on. Other than that, it was pretty close. Wow. I mean, the person in real life was a little bit chubbier than he had actually um, done, but it's harder to guess the fat layers. I mean, yeah. they don't grab onto the skull. <laughs> um, so I, I, this just looks really cool. So. All right, next little thing we got for you. This one's from over at TrendHunter.com. Uh, this is also one of our uh, last little uh, dealies in the uh, Geekcruft section here. This is actually called the Surreal Sandbox Simulation. It's an augmented reality sandbox that creates uh, fun little digital maps. Uh, there's actually something very similar to this in Philadelphia. Every um, Christmas what they do is they take a, an image of City Hall and they paint over the image in City Hall with different colors and stuff like that and they actually have this light show that does it but it actually what and they put it on a massive bright projector out front so all the projector is doing is projecting an image of what the building looks like onto itself so that it illuminates certain features but as it projects images that were colored you can change the entire facade so that it looks like the whole building's pink purple or swirly lines or everything else like that so there's a projector that's over top of this that actually takes uh, like censored scans of how far down that you dig in the sandbox and how far up the mounds go and as you're you're digging around in this thing and as you're actually playing it changes what you're playing with from like a, a regular thing into actually a topography I would play with this all day. I mean, th- this 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 is just really really cool. I don't think this would ever get old. And like, if you dig down far enough, it actually brings water in, and the water starts to follow the channels that you've dug. I mean, this is just all kinds of uh, fun and interesting. That's an all day affair, right there. Yeah, I mean, this reminds me that the uh, Franklin Institute has that erosion thing. Yeah. So where it's like you know everybody builds their little uh, you know uh, dirt and slash sand uh, fortifications. And then uh, you know they, they unleash the tide and it destroys everything. There's no way to build something that withstands the tide. So, <laughs> but this is just really cool because all you're doing is moving around uh, grains of sand. I mean, you're not actually playing in the water or anything, but it looks like you are. <laughs> all right, then the last little thing we got for you here. Uh, this is super geeky. That's right. It's transparent aluminum. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what we're talking about here is, of course, if you ever watched uh, Star Trek Four. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, which I, I actually saw, but not much of it. Okay. But I do know what this is all about. Uh, what this is, it's, it's extremely strong, and uh, what it, it's made out of uh, white aluminum. I'm probably going to get this wrong. Oxynitride powder. Yeah, we'll go with that. We'll that go, sounds good. If it works, it works. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, what they actually have, uh, we found. Uh, this is found over at uh, Ogismo. And uh, they have a video on the bottom of the article that shows, uh, you know, a, a fifty caliber bullet <laughs> going through a glass laminate and uh, what they call the Allon armor. Yeah, the, and, the fi- uh, a fifty caliber bullet just for for the people who are folks who are playing along at homes around as big as a standard thumb. So you're you're talking about firing something that's massive through what the one thing was three inches of plate, uh, three point seven inches. Yeah. 
So if you have a smartphone, lay it down on the table, and as wide as your smartphone is, that's how much glass it's going through. Yeah, and uh, after watching the video, you can see right away the uh, the 50 cal goes right through the glass laminate, and uh, that Allen armor is pretty strong. Yeah, they only had <laughs> 1.6 inches of the armor, and the bullet did not penetrate it at all. <laughs> it, that That's just unbelievable. Yeah, I so while it's not true transparent aluminum, and apparently this stuff's been around for a long time, so when they were writing Star Trek Four, they heard about it and they said, "Hey, how cool would that be to be one of the components that they go back in time to help create?" Wow. So, and it just so happens that it's not very widely publicized. That is, that's what it is. So. <laughs> All right, moving along to Steve's World. Let me make sure that we have the proper uh, musical accompaniment for this one, and then we will be able to uh, to, to get that up and running. But how, how's Steve's World doing so far? So far, so good, from what I know. Okay. People seem to enjoy visiting Steve's World, and probably because I don't talk for a little while. <laughs> I, I know I've been interrupting, so I'm just going to... About two, three minutes of uh, silence for Steve, right? Yeah, there you go. Ready? And... Wait a second, and uh, it would actually probably help to turn that up. <laughs> From the shores of Hyrule, with his ocarina in his hand, he's a bad, bad man. Take one of these. It's dangerous out there. Here's Steve and Steve's World. And here we are, uh, another week, and uh, what I wanted to do this week, I was trying to do, uh, you know, again, since the Avengers came out, I was trying to do some fun facts about the Avengers. However, it just took too long, and there's too much going on to where I couldn't find much. I think the actually the only fact that I found that would relate to the Avengers is that uh, the uh, Hulk, the original color of Hulk, was not green. It was gray. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but because uh, when it first came out, the uh, printing wouldn't wasn't working for the Hulk, so they uh, made him green. That that's pretty cool. Yeah. So, uh, but this week we're gonna go with uh, something odd that you know I don't know much about, but you know. So I'm learning as much as you are, the periodic table of elements. <laughs> you know, I had to do something geeky. Right. So uh, we're going to start off with this. There are 90 elements on the periodic table that occur in nature. All the other elements are strictly man-made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, see? And uh, most of the elements on the periodic table are metals. The alkyne metals, alkaline met- earths, basic metals, transition metals, lathanides, and actinides are all groups of metal. No heavy metal? Nah, no heavy metal. No, no Megadeth, no, you know, Black Sabbath, and all that. Death to all but metal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The, uh, let's see here, how about we go with the main difference between the modern periodic table and uh, Mendeleev's periodic table, and uh, uh, Mendeleev, uh, I'm referring to Dmitry Mendeleev, who is uh, cited as the inventor of the modern table. Did his table have three legs or four? (laughs) Sorry, had to go. (laughs) His, uh... The main difference is that uh, Mendeleev's table has three, and <laughs> uh, his table arranged the elements in order of increasing atomic weight, while the modern table orders the elements by increasing atomic number. Ooh. So, uh, and I'll just throw, uh, I'll throw one more in there, a short one. The uh, technet, I'm going to get this wrong, but I know I am. Technetium yeah. was the first element to be made artificially. Okay, well, I'm so, going to throw another fun fact at you. Our fine-feathered friend, Norbert Davis, from over the Totally Cool Tech podcast, one of his uh, earlier logos actually looked like an element from the periodic table of uh, elements, and it was TCT for Totally Cool Tech. An Easter egg 
was that the element also had a small 43 in the top right corner, which was also the element of technium. So he, 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 he wanted to put that in there. He was very adamant about putting that in there. And I, I loved the fact that it was in there. We never were really sure if anybody actually found it out. So now the <laughs> world knows. Sorry, Norb. Had to out you. Uh, but, yeah, I, I loved that. I thought that was pretty cool. So hopefully uh, <laughs> hopefully, I still have a friend after this. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so, that, that's, so it was the first element that was artificially created. Yes. All right. So other than that, that, uh, that The rest is... of his elements are real, son. <laughs> yeah, by the way, we almost actually did a, se- uh, a section of the podcast trying to teach slang to the people who are listening to this podcast because there's so much weird slang that I'm hearing in work right now. Uh, for instance, there's YOLO, um, Cray, and Swag are the two big ones. There are three big ones that people are coming out with now. Uh, the YOLO is you only live once. Meh. I'm all about Hakuna Matata myself. Uh, uh, the Cray is just short for crazy. Uh, the swag means that you have a certain amount of swagger to whatever it is that you happen to be doing. And uh, we had about a minute. Haven't seen it in about, yeah, about a minute. About a minute. And about that's a, a long minute. time, actually. It actually. Yeah, it's actually <laughs> a, a long time. And uh, another one of the ones that uh, – there's two other ones that I found that are actually pretty funny. Um, the, the one is out of pocket. So if that girl was straight out of pocket, it actually means that she was nuts. Does not have anything to do with money. So I was completely off base as to what I thought was actually going down when somebody was out of pocket. Because when I personally am out of pocket, which is usually often as I have a family, there was no pocket to be had. (laughs) There was no pocket to be had. There's people all up in my pockets. That's my problem. And then the last one that I found out was from one of my students. They said, oh, man, it's brick outside. I went, it's brick outside. All right. It's cold. (laughs) I'm used to various uh, various, uh, uh, instances uh, uh, and various words to be used as descriptive terminology for one one's uh, meteorological experiences. However, I've never heard brick, but apparently it's brick A cold outside. <laughs> no, no, no idea why it's a brick, but apparently clay uh, is much colder than anything else out there. <laughs> All right, so there you go. That that's <laughs> I had to share those yeah, things. Yeah, they, they, they were just bubbling I, up. I like brick. Yeah, it's, it's brick. Outside. It's brick outside. Well, actually, right now it's more of a. I'd say it's a it's a modern shale. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's stucco. Maybe <laughs> are we stucco or are we cinder block? Oh man, it's cinder outside. It's cinder. <laughs> Word, homie. Yeah, I am not street. Not at all. You uh, have street cred. <laughs> I, I do have street cred. It's just I, I am not street. I don't ever talk street. It's not. It's not it's just not something I can pull off no. <laughs> with any sort of level of of experience. I can break down my Philly accent every once in a while. And the more irritated I get, the more it comes out. Yeah. But I don't have a strong one. My wife has a strong <laughs> one. <laughs> that, Hers is that, thick. <laughs> you, you, you can break that off and chew it. <laughs> All right, moving right along to the things that aren't going to get me into trouble. <laughs> Food and caffeinated bits. Let's see what we got cooking. All right. See what I did there? I, I saw what you did there. And the first uh, thing is actually a nice little toasty treat. Yeah. I th- I, there you go again. Uh, two puns in one. <laughs> Ooh. Wow. You're on a roll now. <laughs> yeah, there's no roll involved here. <laughs> Be about a minute, right? <laughs> yeah, be about a minute before we get this thing underway. That's right. And uh, you straight out of pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we're going to start off with uh, what they're calling an inside-out s'more. And uh, the process of this, uh, you take a large marshmallow and toast the exterior, and uh, you just work your outside in. So, uh, so you jam it all up in with a 
chocolate and graham cracker in and the, the middle. The graham crackers are dead in the center. That's right. I'm never. I was never a fan of s'mores. To me, s'mores was nothing more than Girl Scout propaganda. Yeah. So I, I'm much. I enjoy more, it. I mean, I could I could dig a s'more every once in a while, but that's not a camping treat for me. A camping treat for me is either popcorn on an open fire where you don't set the thing on fire. <laughs> <laughs> There's some problems with that one. Is <laughs> either popcorn over an open fire, or or the standard the hot dog on a stick, yeah. <laughs> frying that sucker up there. I love that. You know, or a regular fried marshmallow. Set that sun, <laughs> set that sucker on fire, blow it out, throw it in your mouth. There you go. That's have a, a treat. <laughs> have a nice day. All right, moving right along. One of my absolute favorite stories that we've had coming along, uh, the fine folks over at Newton Vineyards actually graced us with some unfiltered wine. Their entire idea behind this was that they they compared unfiltered wine to unfiltered coffee. So so the same kind of uh, mouthfeel and the same kind of taste and the same kind of goodness that you would uh, experience uh, through attempting to use French press uh, or drink French press coffee, which... Unfortunate side note, I broke my French press yet again today. So, yeah, pulling it, uh, it just snapped. So I have another one, of course, but uh, you know, it's, it's frustrating to break something like that. I hate breaking things. <laughs> too. So, yeah, but beyond that, uh, I actually got to sample this wine, and I, I love drinking wine. I, th- I think it's, it's unbelievable. It's, it's a wonderful way to pass the time, and it's also really interesting to make sure that there's no sediment at the bottom of the bottle, so we did check. But uh, my good friend Dave and I were both uh, avid coffee drinkers, and we both love ourselves some wine, so we actually broke it out on a game night and actually gave this thing a try. Now, we both had two very distinct uh, impressions. Uh, it had an unbelievable berry smell when you opened it up, and it was a really, it was a dry wine, which not a lot of people really enjoy who are just casual wine drinkers. But once you drink it, uh, once, you, once you have it in your mouth, the mouthfeel, it, like the, the actual bite that you usually experience on some of the drier wines that are out there, c- kind of almost immediately faded out and it was just a really pleasant wine overall so i'm going to let you head on over there and actually uh, check out the, uh, the the full read up there because it's a nice long read out i really got into a lot of detail but i have to tell you that uh the the overall experience of from trying an unfiltered wine versus a filtered wine because we also did have another cabernet sauvignon that that night that we were trying out and you can really taste the difference, but it, it might just even be in quality of wine from from the price point of one to the price point of another. But there, there's actually a, a marked difference in the in the viscosity between the two wines. Like the unfiltered wines is slightly thicker. There was no sediment, no grit, or anything like that. It just felt like it had more body, and you can actually taste a lot more nuanced uh, uh, notes within the flavors. So I highly enjoyed it, and I would like to thank the uh, fine people from Newton Vineyards for sending that along. And you should head on over there to uh, newtonvineyards.com to actually newtonvineyard.com to actually experience the full range of wines that they have. They have four unfiltered wine offerings. Uh, the Puzzle, which is actually made from some of their best grapes, all, all kind of uh, blended together, kind of a master selection, if you will. They have the uh, Chardonnay, the Cabernet Sauvignon, and uh, there was one other that I, uh, I I don't remember right off the top of my head. But they also have a line of filtered wines as well. So, uh, yes. Uh, and they also have a claret. That's the other one. So, uh, so hopefully you enjoyed uh, that. You head on over there and uh, let us know your experiences. We'll pass along the fine folks over at the vineyard. Moving right along. Moving right along. We're going to uh, go towards uh, tea time. And uh, what we're talking about here is... Uh, Pinkies t- up. <laughs> Titanic. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Gordon Adler 
uh, designed a uh, steel teabag holder to uh, to represent uh, the Titanic sinking. Uh, it's a simple design. It costs uh, 13 pounds, which is about... $75. No. Uh. No, I think it's about $16, $17, around that area. Okay. About $17, if my math is correct. And uh, it's a simple design, but you know, it, it, it's pretty neat. I like the fact that they actually showed you it all flattened out. I wonder if I could laser cut me one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I I love it. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And the, my favorite part of one of the uh, blogs that actually posted this was somebody said, "What? Too soon?" <laughs> it's like, yes, it was actually a horrific accident. Horrific accident, but uh, I can't actually believe that uh, somebody actually would put that out there. So I thought it was pretty funny. All right, so the next little thing that we got for you here is peanut butter brand Jip is going to be launching a line of hazelnut spreads. Now, I'm not sure if you are aware of this, but there are other hazelnut spreads out there. Are there? Yes, one of them, which being Nutella. Now, <laughs> Nutella has also recently been sued because apparently a chocolate-flavored hazelnut spread is not healthy, despite the fact that they said it was an alternative to uh, uh, peanut butter, which peanut butter is not entirely healthy in and of itself, but it's a little bit healthier than basically icing <laughs> you know what i want i wonder how a, a a cake frosted with nutella would taste i like me some nutella I bet you do. and the best part is you make a nutella sandwich this is back in the days where i was really going for it you take nutella you take uh peanut butter and then you take cream cheese right and then you take jelly and you put it, it's like all four of them in there. That is a taste explosion. That's not even an explosion. There's no That's room for the L. That's an explosion. you got to throw the English around in there. All right, so I just wanted to head it out there because I thought it was interesting that uh, Jif was getting into the game right after Nutella ended up getting sued, probably trying to reap some of the uh, benefits that uh, you know, the suit might actually cost them. And they probably will. Yeah. The uh, next little thing I wanted to head you on over, just for a little bit of information, I'm not going to take the time to go through it. I've actually read it. It's a really, really uh, uh, good guide. It's, it's like a guide for the common folk on what fair trade coffee, what the good and the bad uh, are, the criticisms and everything else. This is actually written by Mike Crimmins from over at Daily Shot of Coffee. So I highly suggest you head on over there and check this out. I'm not going to really go into everything that's listed up there, but one of the my biggest pet peeves about the Fair Trade Association is that it's really easy to start slamming on somebody. It's like, oh, you know, you're just doing the fair trade, you know, because you only have to have X amount of percentage of the fair trade beans in order to get the certification. So you're just doing it because it's kind of kitschy. You're not doing it for any other reason. So, and the funny thing on top of this was that um, George Takei just uh, put out a sign today. You know, he's uh, he's Facebook famous now too. He he has lots of jokes that he shares throughout the day, and one of the things is stop pretending you care about other people and just drink your crack. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it's kind of similar to that when you really think about it and take the complete pessimistic view on it. Uh, there's a lot of people out there who use the Fair Trade Association logo, even though the coffee technically you know meets the spec of it, and they're much more along the lines of you know what let's just uh, let's just do it to have it as a, a selling point. So uh, then uh, he also, Mike also has a wonderful little uh, post about the five best travel coffee mugs. And of course, my favorite coffee mug of all of them is number two. I need to try this thermos sip vacuum insulated travel tumbler as it took the number one spot. But I do have to tell you the Contigo Auto Steel is a uh, auto seal stainless steel uh, 16 ounce vacuum insulated tumbler is unbelievable. It is literally the only uh, travel mug that I've ever had that you can fill it in the morning, screw it shut, throw it in 
into your bag and not have to worry about it spilling all over the rest of your stuff. So I love that thing. I actually wrote a story about it, so it's up there. And then the final little uh, really coffee-related deal is uh, from over at INeedCoffee.com. Four signs that you're in a real espresso bar. First of all, they might actually have a sign that says, We are a real espresso bar. Second of all, if they don't have that barring that, they're probably going to have a relatively small drink menu. So they're going to have the normal espresso-based beverages. But they're not going to be selling, selling Almond Joy lattes or smoothies or other things like that. And you need to actually check out Yelp to figure it out. They're also not going to have a full-service counter in there. If they focus on espresso, then they're going to be delivering good espresso. Uh, the baristas will use tampers in their hands to pack and smooth the ground espresso beans. Literally, if you ever go into some place, order an espresso, and they don't use a tamper, they just you know pour the coffee in there and then they throw it in the machine, you should probably ask them if they know how to actually make espresso because it's not going to come out the right way. And if they serve it to you in a, in a paper cup when you're not asking for it to go, chances are you're not in a good espresso bar either. I'm going to let you read the rest of the stuff. And the final story here today is... A fun little geeky thing that is near and dear to both Steve and Maya's heart. This is the portal cake to end all portal cakes. What do you think of this one, good sir? Would you uh, care to describe it to the fine folks playing along at home? It, it just looks amazing. That's all I could pretty much say. It's basically a uh, cake which looks like it's going through the uh, portals. So it's two separate cakes, one of which being the open portal, the orange, and the other one being the blue. And well, I don't know if it's two separate cakes, you know. It, it could be one cake. So are we doing like K-Fab? You know, it's like kind of like where people talk about wrestlers actually caring about the things that they argue about here. Or are we actually going to give a scientific brief upon the fact that this is a cake cut in half and it looks like it's going to, it's, it's actually work going through the wormhole here. It's technically not cut in half. <laughs> All right. The cake, the cake is simultaneously existing on both the left and the right. That's right. With, with the, uh, the uh, gravity well gun after having been shot. Nobody's going to mention the fact that it's actually just a UV light tube inside of a fun little prop. But, you know, we're just going to let that go. We're going to let that go because okay. it's cake. It's cake. <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will do a lot of things for cake. So, I, you know, that being said, you should head on over there because this, this picture is literally worse, worth, worse, worth a thousand words. And I have plenty of words to give. You really don't need to hear all a thousand. This is just awesome in a way that you can't even believe. This is from over at foodbeast.com. That about wraps it up here today. We had a uh, relatively good pace going through here. Yeah. We came in at just around 38 minutes and we we jam-packed this sucker full. Yeah, we did. Now, here's mo- here's the entire reason why I called Thinking is Dangerous for this one. I was sitting there watching a video today, and I was in a presentation, and I saw everybody clapping, and I just couldn't get this one thought out of my head. And it's it's directly related to the George Carlin thing. You see, these are the things that I think about when I'm home alone and the lights go out. Well, I'm, I'm looking at everybody, and they're all clapping, and I realize there is no intelligent way to clap. Everybody, no matter how you are clapping, looks like a seal. So the next time you're in a large group of people and you see a little round of applause go up, in your head, just make the seal noises. You will laugh for days. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that about wraps it up here for caffeination number 529, thinking she is dangerous, my friend. So uh, thank you very much for listening and stay caffeinated, people. <laughs>